Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Good morning, Lake Boy family. Hey, if you got your Bibles, um, head to two places. If you can head to Exodus 25 and Colossians chapter one, that'd be amazing. Let me just say this. Um, you guys, you're the few, you're the proud. 9.30 service, time change Sunday, rainy. I am thankful for you. Thank you so much. That's right, man. It's, uh, it's so good to see you guys. And uh, hey, for everybody joining in with us online, wish you were here too. And uh, I do just wanna say this for everybody joining, on, joining in online. We know that we've got um, hundreds, actually thousands of, of people that are part of our Lake Point family and uh, for uh, pandemic reasons, that kind of thing. You just been kind of, you're still connected, your heart's still here, uh, but uh, you're joining in with us online. I just wanna say, uh, man, if you are uh, hanging out at home for health reasons, you know, you're in a high risk category, that kind of thing. I just need you to hear from me. We honor that. There is no pressure. You do what you need to do and uh, stay safe. Get that vaccine. Come on back. Um, but if you're staying home just out of habit, let me just say this. Come on back. Time to come on back. Uh, we miss you. There is nothing like being in the room and uh, we can't, uh, can't wait to see you. Uh, well, hey, um, here's where we are this week. We're in week two of a series um, that I'm really, really excited about that, that we're just calling Christian Atheist. And I got this title, full disclosure, uh, from the title of a book by a pastor named Craig Groeschel. And here's the, uh, here's the uh, sort of the idea behind the title Christian Atheist, Cognitive Dissonance. Um, in our country right now, nine out of 10 people say that they believe in God or some form of God's or spirituality, nine out of 10. And even more than that, um, so, uh, or to take it a step further, seven out of 10 people say that they believe in our country that Jesus is the son of God, seven out of 10. Um, but I think if we're really, really honest, if we look around at our nation, uh, there is no way that seven out of 10 people live their lives as a reflection of the teachings of Jesus. And so watch this, while many people say that they believe that Jesus is the son of God and that God exists, on the other hand, Many people live as if he doesn't exist. And that's my definition of a Christian atheist. It's somebody who says that they believe in God, but who lives as if he doesn't exist. There's actually a verse in the Bible that describes this person. I'm gonna warn you right now. It's a very straightforward verse. Doesn't, doesn't pull any punches. Titus 1.6 just says this. It says, they claim to know God, Christian with their mouth, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for anything good. I, I told you it was very straightforward. 
And so what we wanna do during this series is each week of the series, we wanna kind of take a core belief of somebody that might be a Christian atheist, believes in God, lives as if he doesn't exist, and sort of unmask the lie of that core belief and show how destructive that lie is. Now, um, to lead into, I, you know, when, uh, when I plan the sermon series, I choose which sermons I get to preach. That's my right. And so I chose this one because I'm very excited about it. Um, let me lead into it like this. Um, I'm a, you know, for those of you who are new, I'm a third generation pastor. Papa was a pastor, Dave was a pastor, and, and the Lord's got me kind of following in, the, in those footsteps. And so uh, growing up around a lot of Baptist churches in Kentucky and Michigan and, and, and Tennessee, um, let me just tell you something that, that I learned very early. Church people are weird. Uh, they can be very, very weird. And the more you're around churches, you just, you see weird things in churches. Now, what I'm getting ready to read to you, if, if you uh, are newer to church, let me explain something. For a long time, when you walked into a church, you got handed a physical bulletin, no QR code, and people throughout the church, in especially smaller churches, they could just submit requests for announcements into the bulletins and the bulletins end up being like three and five pages long. What I'm getting ready to read to you are actual announcements that got in church bulletins at one point or another, okay? These are real, okay? Number one, the fasting and prayer conference includes meals. Uh, Number two, don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. We can do that for you. Uh, This is one of my favorites. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. Hey, uh, here's another one. At evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. And then, now, this last one, you just gotta know this, this last one, it doesn't make sense unless you understand the abbreviation, so you're gonna see this on screen. Actual announcement. Ladies' Bible study will be held Thursday morning at 10 a.m. All ladies are invited to lunch in the fellowship hall after the BS is done. (laughs) That's it. Now, churches can be weird. They can be weird. But here's what I know. Whether it's because you've seen weird things in church, hurtful things in church, terrible things done in the name of the church, Here's what I think a lot of Christian atheists, people in our country, here's what they believe. Is they'd say this, they'd say, man, I love Jesus. I love his power, I love his grace. I love the example of his life. I love that he was crucified for the sins of the world. I love Jesus, but the church seems irrelevant. And that's the belief of a Christian atheist. I love Jesus, but the church seems irrelevant. Christian atheists, what they do is they commit only half-heartedly, if at all, to the church. But guys, let let me just lean in at the very beginning of this message. God doesn't want, what he doesn't want us to, he doesn't want us to simply believe in him. He wants us to give our lives to him through the local church. Now, let me me boil all this down kind of into, there's one reason, a central reason for this, to believe in the church. Let me say it, let me explain it. Here's why the church is so important. Because the church is where we experience the power and presence of God. The church is where we experience the power and presence of God. I got four verses, all right? Exodus 25. So there's a time when God revealed to Moses the need to build a tabernacle, the place where the people would come and worship. And God actually, um, the Bible says, opened heaven. And God told Moses, build what you see. 
And so he gave him a vision into heaven. He said, hey, whatever you see up there, build down here. And Moses just started copying, building on earth what he saw in heaven. Now, when God described what would happen to that place in Exodus 25, 8, he said this. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. So my presence can be right there in that sanctuary. Skip forward to verse 22, and he says this, there, in that sanctuary, I will meet with you, and I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. Now, Jesus, skip forward to the New Testament, Jesus confirms this in Matthew 18. Listen to what Jesus says, specifically speaking about the gathering of the local church. He says, truly I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it, watch this, it will be done for them, power. Now watch this, for, that's a preposition that means because. Why will you experience the power of God when the church gathers together? He says, for, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Presence, God's presence is there, and because God's presence is there, God's power is there. Now, the fourth verse, I don't have on the screen because God sort of, the Spirit brought it to my mind while I was walking out to the podium last night. If you skip forward to 1 Corinthians 14, there was such a great, you know, in most churches, there is the need for the activity of the Spirit to be fanned into flame. Like the real outpouring of God's Spirit. Need to fan that into flame. In the church in Corinth in the New Testament, there was such a great outpouring of God's spirit that there were actually spiritual excesses and God had to give commandments to sort of rein those things in so that they channeled this outpouring of God's spirit in orderly, productive ways. You get to 1 Corinthians 14 and Paul starts describing to them what a gathering of the church should look like. And he says, hey, when you guys come together and you worship together and my spirit resides, resides there, here's what he says, when outsiders or unbelievers enter and they see that, he says, quote, they will fall on their faces and declare that God is really among you. See, the church is the place where we experience the power and the presence of God. And here's what I'm willing to bet, that for any of you who have walked with Jesus for any amount of time in your life, there are times that you can look back on worship services and go, I met God there. God was there. Um, you know, I wanted to give a story uh, for people who might be newer to the faith or kind of kicking the tires on Christianity. Um, I, had, I have so many, I, I gotta pick one. Here's one, power and presence of God. I had been a senior pastor for three years. Uh, we were meeting at a tiny little church, meeting in a, a warehouse unit in a, the, the back of a storehouse in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And uh, there was a service where, and none of this was known to me. There was a family in our church that was new and their mom was coming into town from Florida and she'd gotten involved in some spiritist occult practices. Um, she was worshiping sort of uh, the one great spirit or the eternal love or the all-knowing presence. And, and they'd been praying for her to come to know Christ and she was coming into town. And so they'd been inviting her to our church every time she came into town, like, hey, mom, why don't you come to a service with us? Why don't you come? And she wouldn't come. One of the reasons she wouldn't come is because she had been in the, the clam harvesting industry in Florida for many years, working around the water. And being in the water all her life, um, she had experienced permanent debilitating hearing loss. 
and uh, that had sort of started to translate into the facial structure of her face, uh, severe swelling, incredible pain. Uh, she couldn't hear really anything, so that when she came into town, uh, they, they were having to like write on yellow pads to communicate with her, and they did that. And they were like, hey mom, why don't you come to church with us? Yeah, you know, please come. And she was like, why, why would I come to a church I can't hear? Why would I come to a church there? I'm not gonna hear anything. So they're writing on like, hey mom, you know, just please come with us. And she finally capitulated. Well, again, um, I've been a senior pastor for three years. I stand up to preach that day. I don't know any of this is happening. And I get to the middle of my message when I'm getting ready to explain. I try to have that moment in every message where I at least get in something about the cross, what Jesus did for you and his redemptive power. Well, this woman, unbeknownst to me, she's sitting on about the fifth row of our, our little warehouse. She said when it came to that moment in the service, there was this overwhelming urge that welled up within her, a desire to hear what was being said. And she just whispered this little prayer, God, if you're there, I wanna hear what this man is saying. The second she did that, uh, she said later that she heard a loud pop and then there was a, a sharp pain in the side of her face and instantly her hearing was completely restored to her. And she sat there for the rest of the service with tears in her eyes and, and she was given the ability to hear at the exact moment where I started preaching about Jesus Christ crucified for the sins of the world and he's a friend of sinners and you can, you know, that sort of thing. And right in her chair with her newfound hearing, she heard that, heard that message through clear ears for the first time in years and gave her life to Christ that day. Now, yeah. Now, uh, story doesn't end there. You gotta remember, um, I, I have no idea any of this is happening. So I finished preaching. I come down off the stage. This woman bolts up to the front of the room to grab me and she just grabs my arm and in her hysteria, she just yells, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, I can hear. I don't know anything about this woman's past, so I just said, me too, isn't it great? I didn't, and she started explaining to me what God had just done for her, and she started talking about how, man, I've been worshiping this, this great spirit, the eternal love, the all-knowing presence, and what I've realized is that I was looking for Jesus. Jesus is who's looking for. In fact, funny story, true story. Two days later, she was still in town and her daughter got in an accident in town and uh, her daughter called her and the mom said, why don't we see if we can get the car over to Pastor Josh? He can probably heal it. <laughs> now, that's not how it works. Now, I just want you to think about this for a second, okay? Think about this for a second. She was healed of that uh, infirmity, the power of God. And she came to know Jesus through that message, the presence of God. Guys, listen to me. One second in the presence of God can change everything. One second in the presence of God. And when we come together, when we come together, when the church gathers to worship, that's where we experience the power and the presence of God. Now, let me just say this and address something real quick. Some of you are hearing that and you're like, man, I tried church, it didn't work, that definitely didn't happen. I had problems, I had marriage problems, I had a physical issue, God didn't heal that thing. Well, let me just say this. Bible scholars for centuries have differentiated between, listen to me, these two categories, between the, or, the extraordinary operations of the Spirit. That's when God does a miracle. It's what the Bible calls signs and wonders. And listen to me, Lake Point Church, that's a thing. God is still doing that. 
We should seek that, we should pray for that. In fact, the direction our world is going, we need a demonstration of the spirit and power to show the reality of the gospel of Jesus. So that's a thing. Now that's the, listen, the extraordinary operation of the spirit. That's when God does a miracle. God doesn't always do that. There's a reason we call it a miracle and not Wednesday. That's the extraordinary operation of the spirit. Bible scholars also talk about the ordinary operations of the spirit. And that's where every time that we gather, seemingly imperceptible things are happening all over this room, in living rooms watching this message, at all of our campuses. You're being transformed from one tiny degree of glory to the next as God infuses his power and presence as we gather for worship. Some of you go, man, uh, you know, not only did I not, I not get healed, I can't even remember the last sermon you preached. I, I'm not offended by that. I can't name, I can't remember the last 10 meals that I ate, but the power of those meals nourished my body and kept me alive. God uses the rhythmic gathering of the church and you be sure that his power and his presence is here every single time. Um, I'll give you an example, let me do, example of the ordinary operation of spirit and let me move on. Okay, um, this happened last night at the Saturday night service. They were sitting right over here and right over here. There's a group of people every time they're here. I, I love it. All my favorite services are when they're here. And it's when our Regen family, our Regen girls are in the service. That's right. I see one over here, right over here. That's right. It's our Regen people. Now, whenever people from our Regen, that's our recovery ministry. Whenever they're in services, uh, one, baptisms are real, real loud when Regen people are in the room. But then number two, I mean, there's, it's standing applause. It's, you know, hoot and holler and whistle, that kind of thing. But then number two, when regen people in our recovery ministry, when they worship, they worship like they got saved from something. Like, like you know, you can see it. It's hands in the air. It's loud. It's shout. It's spontaneous applause. The first time I was in a service at Lake Point, they were all gathered. They were sitting right over here. And I walked, they were, they were a little, little, I mean, they were going nuts during the service. And I walked right out into the lobby and a man grabbed me, kind of pulled me close to him by the arm. And he said, man, uh, those people, they get a little crazy, don't they? That's what he said, they get a little crazy, don't they? And some of you, you may have seen people in church services that worship like that really passionately, exuberantly, hands raised, and it might make you a little uncomfortable. And you may have thought that before. Man, those people, they just seem to get a little crazy. Here's what you've gotta understand. What those people are doing is expressing gratitude for the work of God in their lives. That's what they're doing. See, those people, when you look around and you see people worship like that, there's something you don't know about those people. What you don't know about that guy in front of you that worships a little passionately is that that guy was an addict and now he's free. You see, what you don't know, and by the way, all these I'm about to say, these are true stories. I'm not just making these up for the sermon. What you might not know about a woman that's in front of you that's worshiping really passionately is that she was in prison, but Christ found her, and today she's here worshiping with her family. See, what you might not know about that crazy person in front of you is that that guy was suicidal, but God met him, and now he knows he's got a hope and a future. There's, listen, there's people in our services, there's people in our services who last year, their wife filed for divorce, but today she walked in holding his hand because of the redemptive power of Christ in their lives. And you see that now, what you gotta understand, 
is that for those people, it didn't happen at a point, a moment, a miracle. It wasn't a point, it was a process, but you be sure it was still the power of the living God. See, when we gather, God's presence and his power are here. Now, let me just address some objections really quick. There are reasons that some Christian atheists, they kind of think the church is irrelevant and they, that you might even have like a, you know, a little saying or an excuse for why you avoid church. And, and here's one of the most common ones I hear. I say, oh man, I don't wanna have anything to do with the church because the church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. Here's my response to that. Yep, it is. It sure is. And so are family reunions, Walmarts, golf courses, and McDonald's, but you go to those too. You do it anyway. Hey, you do it. Hey, you, may, you, guys, you guys know what a McDonald's hypocrite is? Here's a McDonald's hypocrite. It's a lady right in front of you that gets up to order and she says, Here, I'll have a, a double quarter pounder with extra cheese, large fry, double salt, oh, and a Diet Coke because I'm watching my figure. Hey, that, that, that's a McDonald's hypocrite. So yes, the church is full of hypocrites. Here's my response. There's room for one more, you'll fit right in. You'll fit right in. He said, all of us, we're doing our best to follow God, but we fail. And that's why we're a community of grace and you need the same grace that we've been given in Christ Jesus. So that, that's number one. Now, the second objection is a little more, the first one I feel like is a cop out. The second one I'd say is a little more legitimate. There's some people who avoid the church because you've had terrible experience. This is part of the sermon where I get a, a little more serious. You've had terrible experiences. You've been hurt by a church. You may have seen abuse happen in a church. You've seen televangelists raising money for private jets on the donations of the poor. And you see that and you're like, man, I, I never wanna have anything to do with that. It just looks so awful. Let me say two things about this objection. Number one, the church is imperfect because the church is made up of imperfect people. You know, there, there are some of you, um, what I know is right now we've got hundreds, actually we've got thousands of people who because of what God has done through Church Online, you're brand new to Lake Point Church in the last year or so. And God bless you. Here's what some of you are doing right now. You're walking around our church. You've been here for six or eight weeks and you're walking around and going, I finally found it. This is the perfect church. Let me just say, no, we're not. We are going to disappoint you, I promise. I've got about eight more minutes left to preach. I might do it in this sermon. We are going to disappoint you. Do you know what we are here at Lake Point Church? We are one big dysfunctional family. That's what we are. And because of that, you're gonna fit right in. You're gonna fit right in. So man, come with your faults. Come with your needs. If you, in fact, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join, you're gonna ruin it. Do you remember what Jesus, remember what Jesus said? Who did Jesus say that he came for? Jesus said, the healthy don't need a doctor. People who think they're great, they don't need a doctor. I came for the sick. Jesus said, I did not come for the righteous, I came for sinners. In other words, Jesus said, I, I did not come for people who think that they're good. I came for people who know that they're bad and in need of a savior. That's who all of us are. We're not people who think that we're good. We're people who know that we're bad and we need a savior in Jesus Christ. So the church is imperfect because it's made up of imperfect people. But number two, and like I said, this is where I get a little more serious. By the way, this is the spot in the sermon where some of you might go, wait, you're the weird guy you were talking about at the beginning of the message. 
So let me just say this. Yes, a few of the things I'm about to say may sound weird to you. If you're like outside of the faith, you're kind of kicking the tires. I am only being as weird as this book is weird. What you have to understand is that all throughout history, God creates and Satan counterfeits. You have to be awake to the reality of the devil and demons. Those things are real. That's a real spirit. That's what's behind all the dark energy in the world today. And here's what happens is God creates and Satan counterfeits. That's always been his strategy. God gave the Holy Spirit, Satan counterfeits with unholy spirits that we call demons. God gave the gospel, Satan counterfeits with all the false religions of the world. God gives prophecy, uh, Satan counterfeits with fortune te- demonic fortune telling. God gives worship, Satan counterfeits with idolatry. God brings revival, Satan counterfeits with riots. God creates, Satan counterfeits. And what you have to understand is that this world is lorded over by the father of lies and his primary deceit strategy is to create counterfeits that have an appearance of the truth of God but that are laced with satanic lies and demonic power. What that means is that there are quote unquote churches that have the appearance of and bear the name church, but that are actually infused with demonic power and laced with satanic lies. Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. And here's Satan's strategy. His strategy is to get you to lump in the real thing, the true, full of light church of the living God with the ugly satanic counterfeit so that you'll reject both thinking that they're all the same. So every time you see a, quote, church picketing on TV with signs that say, God hates gays, every time you discover that a pastor was abusing his position to take advantage of people financially or sexually, when you were led to believe by people who claimed to be speaking for God that because of a sin you struggle with or because of a mistake you made that you could never be redeemed and used by God, you listen to me, that wasn't God, that was the devil dressed up in God's clothes. Do not Let what someone did to you keep you from what Jesus did for you. Don't do that. Don't do that. So here's here's the reality. The reality is that though the church is imperfect, when you cut yourself off from the church, you're cutting yourself off from the activity of God in your life. That's what you're doing, power and presence. Okay, for you New Testament scholars, let me lay in the plane like this. For you New Testament scholars, you're you're probably aware that there are three New Testament analogies that are the dominant analogies for the church in the New Testament. They are bride, family, body. And each of those analogies shows us something different about why the church is important. Let me do them really quick, okay, think about this. The analogy of a bride. Ephesians 5.25 just says it like this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the church is the bride of Christ. Now, let me just lean in really quick for jaded, if you, I'm speaking right now to like jaded, cynical Christians. There are some jaded, cynical Christians who they just walk around and all they do is talk about how awful the church is and everybody's an idiot but me. And if, if you, they just had my theological understanding, they would understand that the music, you know, the music needs to be softer or louder, or the preaching needs to be exegetical or more topical or, or we need to do this on mission and not that, and that sort of thing. And some people just walk around and all they do is walk around just talking about how awful the church is. Let me just gently say, if that's you, Where is the fear of God in your life? You're talking about the bride 
of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I want you to imagine this. What if you grabbed me in the lobby after a service and you walked up and you were like, man, Pastor Josh, I love you. I love your ministry. I love your preaching. I love everything that's going on. You're amazing. I wish I had a relationship with you. Can we be really close friends? Oh, but by the way, your wife, Jana, she's the worst. I just can't stand her. I just don't like her demeanor. She's too short. Her, you know, her hair is too red. It just drives me crazy. I don't like anything about her personality, you know, that sort of thing. Let me tell you how that will work. If you love me, but you cuss her, I punch you. That's how that triangle works. <laughs> now, you can't have a relationship, listen, that's just, you can't have a relationship with me while you're running down my bride. You can't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus while you're running down his bride. And the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. Number two, the church is a family. The Bible talks about God as a father, and it talks about how, it, how Christians are brothers and sisters to one another. Here's my analogy. We just uh, last year adopted our third child, Hudson. Now, when Hudson was adopted by Jan and I, he didn't just gain a new relationship with me and Jana, mom and dad. He gained a new relationship with Eliana and Felicity, my daughters, sister and sister. Now, I want you to imagine... If our one-year-old Hudson could, in a very cre or a six-week-old Hudson, in a creepy way, could have talked, what if he tried to say, "I want you as dad, but I don't want them as sisters"? I'd say that's impossible. Like, if you become my son, they are by definition your sisters. In the same way, you can't have God as your father and reject other Christians as brothers and sisters. This is a family, and that's the mechanism God uses to protect you from the attacks of the enemy. It, do you remember what the Bible says? It says that the devil, quote, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a little visual illustration, so watch me. When a lion attacks a family of gazelles, which one gets eaten? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not the weak one. You may go, oh, the weak one. No, 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 it's not the weak one. Whichever one gets separated from the family, that's the one that gets devoured. And do you know what's happened to some of you in the last year? Here's what happened. Is first, COVID happened, so the church couldn't start gathering. You just sort of drifted just a little away. And then because you were kind of out of your spiritual rhythms, you might've developed some sinful habits in your life and you know, got a, just a little bit farther away from the shepherd, from the dad of the family. And then you got embarrassed about some of those habits. And that's when you drifted a little bit farther. And then you just kind of got ingrained in those things. And man, it's like, ah, you know, it's just easier. We'll just watch church online once every six weeks. And I, well, yeah, so that's, that's enough. And before you know it, you've been separated from the family. Guys, the separated one is the one that gets devoured. If you're separated from the family, do you know what you ought to be doing? You ought to be doing this. Excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. Let me get right back to the middle so that I'm as close to the middle of the family as I can. That's what we need to be doing right now. Now, last one. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Colossians 1.18 just says it like this. Jesus, watch the analogy, is the head of the body, the church. The Bible calls Jesus the head and the people are his body. We're all the members of the body. Now, here's my analogy. If I, let's, say, uh, let's say I want coffee, caffeinated coffee, by the way. Uh, there is a time and place for decaf, never and in the trash. Okay. Uh, so I want caffeinated coffee. I say, I want that. I want caffeinated coffee. I got a very strong response from the 9.30 a.m. service on Time Change Sunday. 
I want caffeinated coffee, okay? Guess what I don't do? If my brain goes, oh, I want caffeinated coffee, my brain doesn't send out little Jedi mind trick waves to the coffee to just zap it into my body. The head of my body sends a signal to other parts of the body. It goes, hey, legs, you need to get up. Hey, feet, you need to walk over to where the coffee is. Hey, hands, sends a signal to my hand, pour the coffee. Okay, hey, now, hand, arms, move that coffee up my mouth. Hey, lips, tongue, mouth, open and drink the coffee, all that. My brain is sending signals to the parts of my body, and if my brain wants something, it accomplishes it like that. Now watch this, Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the head of the body, and we are all members of that body. So if God is going to do a work in your life, He's probably not just gonna zap it into your life. He's gonna use the body of Christ. So when people ask the question, hey, how much should I be involved in the church? My answer is to the extent that you want God to work in your life. See, to cut yourself off from the body of Christ is to cut yourself off from the work of Christ in your life. Uh, Let me end like this. For 20 centuries, God has worked through the church. And even though the church at its best never, I mean guys, the church at its best never makes headlines. Uh, It's changing lives. It loves radically. It serves sacrificially. It gives extravagantly. And the church at its best is doing that all over the world. Uh, Lacey was not a member of Lake Point when her son was diagnosed with cancer. But she knew somebody that was, and he got her son's name on the prayer list at our church. And as soon as that happened, Lake Point prayer team members, they started flooding the hospital to pray for this young boy that was battling cancer before anybody ever should have to do that in his life. Um, And they flooded that hospital to pray for that little boy. So much so that one day that little boy's uncle showed up to visit him in the hospital and there were so many people there to pray for him and care for him that there wasn't room for him to get into his nephew's hospital hospital bed, a hospital room. Uh, One of the nurses looked over at Lacey one day and just said, who are all these people? And she said, they're the church, they're the church. Whenever that boy needed blood, for a life-saving blood transfusion. People from the church pooled together their own blood donations to make sure that boy got what he needed. That little boy ended up beating cancer, ended up attending the church, hearing about the love of Jesus Christ that was poured out for him, gave his life to Christ, and was baptized here in the church at its best. The church at its best. Um. A little over a year ago, there was a man named Boris that had struggled with addiction for years and years. And uh, one day, um, he stumbled into the church high as a kite. And that day, the message just so happened to be on detoxing from habits and addiction. And he sat in his chair, and he was lonely, and he was afraid and scared that he would be rejected for his failures, but he was just so desperate to be free of the prison of his addiction that after the service, he walked out to a connection center and he asked for somebody to pray for him. And it just so happened 
that the person he asked to pray for him was a recovered addict himself. And that man prayed for him. And then that guy got him into our region recovery ministry. And from there, he got into a recovery life group. And he met a a sponsor that loved Jesus and walked with him through his recovery, shared the gospel with him. He ended up meeting Christ. He was baptized here. And now, through the support of people and the power of God at work in his life, he's been miraculously set free from his addiction He is the church, and now he tells everybody he knows about what God did for him through the church at its best. The church at its best. Here's my favorite, here's my favorite one. In 2009, there was a Lake Point member that went on a mission trip to Ghana, actually took vacation time to go there. And they had heard about people in Ghana, uh, these people they just fell in love with dying of preventable diseases because of unclean drinking water. And they were moved by God to fund a well for a village there called Zodze, Zodze, Ghana. And so they paid for that well and they dug that well right in the middle of a village and they put a plaque on that well with a Bible verse. Come to me, all you who are thirsty and receive living water. And that well was dug right across the street from a church, Rock of Ages Baptist Church. And what that Lake Point member didn't know until many, many years later is that in that village, there was a little boy that grew up with his family going to that church to get water from that well. And when he went and he went to that church, he didn't just get drinkable water, he got the living water of the gospel of Jesus Christ and he gave his life to Christ. And he grew up in that church. Years later, his father won a visa lottery to immigrate to America. And because of some of that ministry uh, earlier in his life, they ended up moving to the great nation of Texas. And they moved here and... uh, And God continued to work in that young man's life that had gone to that well. And he ended up feeling a calling of God in his life to go into church ministry and kept training in that uh, that calling. And we hired him onto our Lake Point staff last month in the church at its best. (laughs) The church at its best. And listen, you, you need the church at its best. You need that. And so here's my challenge right now for everybody in this room, everybody joining all of our campuses, everybody joining online. My challenge to you is to go all in, to love the bride of Jesus Christ, the church at its best. So here's all I want you to do. Um, on the seat in front of you, will you, will you grab this guy's little connect card? Would, would you do that and grab this guy? And here I have two calls. One, if right now you're more like dating the church than married to the church, you know, hop in and out, get what I can, hook up, check up, break up, Okay, what I'd say is like, hey man, it's time to commit and be a part of the body of Christ. And so man, if you've never done this and you're not sort of a member of our church, I'm asking you to grab this connect card and just go name, email address, and then check the box that says attend next steps class. Be a part of the family. Do that today and drop that in one of those boxes next to the exits at every single one of our campuses. Now here's the other thing. The Bible says that when we're baptized, Yes, we're baptized into Christ. It also says we're baptized into the body of Christ. 
if you've never been baptized after you have authentically given your life to Jesus, it's time, it's time, come home. And so man, for you, if you do this like right now during this last portion of service, grab this guy, just fill out name, email address, and check that box that says, be baptized. Drop it in one of those boxes on the way out, and we wanna celebrate that with you at a baptism Sunday coming up very soon. So would you do that right now? You can do that while I'm praying. Father, thank you so much for giving us the church at its best. We are so grateful that you gave us the bride of Christ. God, we ask that you would use us, Lake Point Church. Would you make us a clean and willing vessel, a conduit of the power of God? Would you please protect us from impurity and give us a wholehearted, sincere, and pure devotion to you? God, we pray for an outpouring of your spirit. That's what the world needs in this dark hour. And so spirit, would you please come? We invite you here to move through us, your bride, your family, your body. Use us, do it again, God, do it again. We pray that in Jesus Christ, risen name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.